This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, we'll be studying chapters 12 through 21 of John's Gospel. And I'm Dwayne Recur, your host, and Amber Vaden, my co-host, is with me today. So, Amber, thank you for being with us again this week. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And Bob Bunn is joining us again. Bob is one of the editors on the Adult Explore the Bible team. So, Bob, thank you for giving us your deep insight into John 18 here. I don't know about that, but I always enjoy coming around. So we'll see. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I mentioned John 18. We're going to be looking at John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. It's the, the trial section or part of the trial section that John records. Uh, Amber, can you walk us through this passage real quick so we'll have an understanding of the main points that we'll be looking at when we look at John 18? Sure. So the, the summary statement for the entire study today is Jesus was without guilt and sinless in every way. And so as we study through these verses, um, that truth is going to come through. Uh, in the first several verses, we have titled the transfer in our outline. And um, in those verses, John described Jesus being taken from Caiaphas to Pilate in the early morning. Um, Pilate originally directed the Jews to try Jesus in their courts. He was trying to not, <laughs> he was trying to let them deal with it with Jewish law, but they explained that they were unable to put people to death. Uh, John noted that Roman crucifixion would fulfill Jesus's words about the type of death he would endure, uh, and that would be significant. Uh, the next part of, these, of this passage we've entitled The Trial. And in these verses, John recounted Pilate interrogating Jesus inside the headquarters. Uh, when questioned, Jesus focused on his kingdom as being not of this world since no resistance was put up. Uh, Jesus told Pilate that he came to this world to testify to the truth. Uh, and Pilate responded to that uh, with the philosophical question, asking Jesus to define truth. Uh, and in the final part, is the trade. In these verses, Pilate returned to the accusing Jews and declared their charges as baseless. Uh, he offered to release one prisoner per custom and identified Jesus as the candidate to be released, but the Jews called for the release of a revolutionary named Barabbas instead, so they were not on board with Pilate's plan. Throughout this whole passage, we see that Jesus, they they could not condemn him with the crime because he hadn't he hadn't committed any. So followers of Jesus, we should expect false accusations to be made against us, um, but we can confidently proclaim Jesus uh, to be without guilt. He was without guilt, uh, and then some people reject Jesus regardless of the facts. Those are the three uh, summary statements for the parts of the outline that we just discussed. And the main part for the whole lesson is that Jesus was without guilt and sinless in every way. So each one mm -hmm. of those connects to that. Uh, one thing I'd point to that may help give some context is there's a pack item called the trials of Jesus. It lists the six trials, Annas, Caiaphas, and the Sanhedrin, the full Sanhedrin, Pilate, which is the first trial with Pilate, Herod Antipas, and then the second trial with Pilate. It gives us the location, and it also gives us the references, tells us where each one of these are found in scripture uh, so that if we wanted to do comparison, we could do so 
during this study time. Bob, let's start off here with this statement about the leaders not going into the headquarters themselves so that they would not defile themselves and wouldn't be able to eat the Passover. That seems to me like the ultimate statement of hypocrisy here. Well, this whole story is when you start with the trials and even a little bit before the trials, you're dealing with hypocrisy. The, everything that the that the religious leaders have been up to has been driven in part by their own, their own hypocrisy, thinking that they were doing what what God wanted them to do, but really not living up to the standards that God had for them. This is particularly uh, glaring, I guess, as an example, because it's so obvious to those of us who are reading it. The, to twenty twenty first century audience, we look at it and say, you know, they're so worried about their ritual purification, but but at the same time, they're willing to take an innocent man and deliver him over to to be crucified to be murdered to be killed for no good reason and these guys who were supposedly upholding the law were actually violating the law at the same time and it was it was because it was because they were insecure they were scared they were afraid you know i think um when i was when i was on i think for the very first episode for this quarter we talked about the insecurity of the leaders uh after jesus had gone to the dinner with lazarus and and uh, Mary had anointed him. We talked about how they were so insecure and they were so afraid. And, that, and, and this is just translated all the way through this Passion Week to, to the point where we get them handing him over to Pilate here. And, and they, were, they were threatened. They were threatened. They threatened Jesus because they were threatened by Jesus uh, through this whole time. But it also kind of goes back to the fact that they didn't understand who he was. They didn't mm -hmm. understand what he was about. They didn't understand why he had come to begin with. They could not in their minds get a handle on the idea of a suffering servant for a Messiah, even though Isaiah had told them about that back in Isaiah chapter 53, hundreds of years earlier than this. So I think one of the things that we can take away is that we always, we always have to be careful about what we think our understanding of Jesus is. Um, and what we, what we think he's about and what who we think he is. Uh, and I think there's three things that we can do. One is we can evaluate our own understanding. We don't we don't assume that we're necessarily correct in what we're thinking. Um, when I was working on my doctorate degree, I had I had professors who constantly told me, you know, you need to you need to check your presuppositions. You need to <laughs> you need to examine your assumptions. And that was one of the recurring themes throughout my entire uh, doctoral program. And it was just, you know, you got sick of hearing it after a while, but it made perfect sense because that's how you learn to think critically is by examining everything about it and not assuming that you're correct. In this case, we need to take whatever we have about Jesus, whatever we think we have about Jesus and filter it through his word, filter it through scripture, filter it through uh, what, we, what we see in the Bible and that will help us. So we need to evaluate our understanding. We also need to respond with scripture. Um, when, when This is especially true when someone maybe challenges something. Uh, maybe they have a false understanding of who Jesus is, and they're challenging what we believe. We respond with scripture. We respond with truth. And I think the final thing is we respond with love. Um, that may be the big key <laughs> to what's missing in so many confrontations and debates and arguments. You're always going to have folks who want to debate. Um, we all know, uh, we, you know, we have a very, very loyal and loving fan base, if you want to call it that, user base here with Explore the Bible. But sometimes they'll send us notes. Sometimes they'll send us encouraging letters. And, you know, <laughs> yes, they, yes, yes, they will. will. And, some of them, and some of them are sincere and they're genuine. Some of them just want to argue and debate too. 
we know that we kind of we've learned over the years to kind of recognize who's who but instead of debating instead of arguing instead of creating more controversy instead of trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong if we respond in love i think we're responding the way jesus did part of the reason ultimately the reason jesus drew people to himself was because he spoke the truth and he spoke it with power and authority that the people in that time hadn't hadn't seen they couldn't comprehend they didn't understand but also because he loved them he never spoke down to them he never i mean he called wrong wrong and right right but he never he never attacked the person and he he loved people that that didn't necessarily feel loved all the times and so as, as we think about dealing with people with our own misunderstandings and maybe the misunderstandings of others uh if we do it with love as the old saying is we'll draw more folks with honey than with, with vinegar yeah, so those three things, just for our listeners to catch them again, were evaluate your own understanding, which deals with your own presuppositions, what you already are, are thinking or what's behind what you're thinking. Respond with scripture. We want to look at the whole counsel of God and respond with love. You can show, you could say that with compassion, empathy, a listening ear, however you want to say that, but ultimately it's love. I mentioned that pack item, Bob, pack item five, and it has the locations. This particular section, we know that they're in the headquarters. What's the significance of the location of this trial? You know, I just I stopped and thought about this. It was in the Praetorium. That was the that was what the headquarters mm -hmm. was called at that time. So, uh, what was the Praetorium? Well, it was basically a a palace for the for the Roman governor. In this case, Pilate. It was his housing area. It was also his, if you want to think of it in twenty first century terms, it was his office. <laughs> it was where he worked. It was his courtroom. So uh, in a sense, Pilate was working from home before any of us realized just how popular it was going to be. But um, but I think the other the other thing we need to understand is for the Jews who were bringing Jesus to him, it wasn't so much about the place as the people that it represented. Um, it wasn't so much that they had to bring Jesus to this palace, that they had to bring him to the praetorium. It was the fact that they had to involve Gentiles in their little scheme. They were – which – had they would have never turned them. to Gentiles for anything else. No, they had, right. you know, they they did their best, and really, the Gentile, the Romans, didn't want to have anything to do with them either. So it was it was a shared. Dis, uh, they despised each other equally, um, but um, you know, it it just it, it goes to show just how weak these folks were. Mm -hmm. They they had this grand scheme, they had this idea, they had this plot, but at the same time, they couldn't carry it out on their own. They had to enlist the help of their, their most despised people. And even later on, John doesn't tell us this, but but Luke tells us that that Pilate even sent him to sent Jesus to Herod, who was they were not on friendly terms at the time until Jesus came back. And, and Luke says for some reason they they became friends from that point forward. But it's all this this intrigue and political scheming and all this stuff that that goes behind it. But the, the fact that, that you had to pull Gentiles into the plot, into the conspiracy, was a big deal for them uh, because it did. It did show how, how, powerless they, how powerless they were. Um, I think it's also a good reminder for us that um, this was all part of God's plan. Yeah. This was exactly – even to, to, down to the detail, you know, Jews typically executed people by stoning. Um, that had been their way for years and years and years and years. It was the, the primary, there are other ways that they did it, but primarily they stoned people. Well, we'll see that in, in Acts. Yes. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen was Stephen, stoned. 
yeah, yeah I think it's kind of inter- I've always thought it was kind of interesting that these guys who weren't allowed to execute people could drag Stephen out, <laughs> but they couldn't execute <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But it goes back to the fact that this was part of God's plan because God, through the prophets, had said centuries earlier that Jesus would be pierced, that the Messiah would be pierced. And and we talked about Isaiah fifty three a minute ago. You know, it talks about Jesus, the Messiah, being pierced. In Zechariah chapter 12, it talks about looking upon the one who had been pierced. And so Jesus had to be pierced. He had to, stoning was not going to happen, or stoning was not going to pierce him. Stoning was not going to bring that to fruition. It had to be crucifixion. If it had to be crucifixion, it had to be the Romans. And so in every part of this, you see God at work behind the scenes, fulfilling things just the way he wanted to. The other thing about crucifixion is, the Old Testament law said that anyone who hung up on a tree was cursed. And so for Jesus to become the curse for us, he had to hang on a tree. He had to hang on a cross. And again, that meant that the Romans had to be involved. They had to be the one orchestrating the actual execution. So I take courage in that, that even though it's kind of weird and it's kind of strange and it's, it's, it's tragic in a lot of ways, it was exactly the way God planned it. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good explanation and a a helpful uh, understanding of how that all fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. So thank you. Uh, so Bob, how does what John shared fit with what the other gospel writers included in their accounts? Hmm. Well, we talk, talked a lot about how John's gospel is so different from mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What what theologians call the synoptic gospels, which synoptic just basically means seen together. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they share a perspective in a lot of ways. They are seen together. John is is much different. And so, you know, I actually took, uh, as I was thinking about this question, I have I have what's called a, a harmony of the Gospels at home. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've ever been to seminary or if you've ever, you know, maybe, you've, maybe you've seen one. But it basically it lists all the Gospels, all the events of the Gospels side by side as they happen. So what that does for you is as you're looking at it, you can see, well, John really focuses on this, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke maybe don't. Or maybe this this same story appears in two of the Gospels, but not in the other two. And so when you look at when you look at a, a harmony of the Gospels that way, and you, you look at John chapter 18, you see a lot in John that you don't see in other passages, yeah. in the other Gospels. And so I think this really fills in some of the gap. This whole conversation that Jesus has, or interrogation, or whatever you want to call it, I think Pilate intended it to be an interrogation. I think Jesus turned it into a conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, and, and sometimes you wonder who's <laughs> questioning who when you when you read it. But this uh, a lot of the details, just uh, of who said what to whom when, they don't show up in the other gospels. You 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 get the the idea from all four that that Jesus came to Pilate, that they brought him to Pilate, and you get the the idea that Pilate found him not guilty. Um, but you don't you don't get those conversations. You don't get all those questions that Pilate asked Jesus. You don't get all of Jesus' responses to those questions, mm-hmm. and you certainly don't get uh, what is probably the key part of this conversation. And that's that's the whole thing about truth. What is truth? When Pilate right. asked Jesus, "What is truth?" Jesus says, "I've come for this. I've come to share the truth. I've come to demonstrate the truth, to display truth." And Pilate says, "What is truth?" You don't get that in the other Gospels. So this this is a great supplement. To, to some of the other things, but it goes back to what John was trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a minute ago about how how the crucifixion was a fulfillment of God's plan. John's John's purpose in, it was to show people that Jesus was actually the Messiah, 
that he was the one that they could trust, that he was the one they could believe in. And so fulfillment of prophecy was part of that, but also this 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 whole conversation with Pilate points to Jesus as being who he said he was. He was a king, but he wasn't the king that Pilate thought. He wasn't, you know, he was the Lord of all, but he wasn't quite the way everybody thought he was going to be. But John clearly indicates through this conversation that Jesus was more than the Jews thought and more than what Pilate thought. He really was who he said he was. You mentioned the question of truth, um, having that conversation. It almost seems like there's a it's not really like you said. It's not really a trial taking place at this point. It's more of a conversation between two two people with Pilate trying to figure out more more information than you would want in a in a trial. Uh, why did servicing that issue uh, get this kind of response from Pilate? Yeah, and, and yeah. You know, it, it doesn't look like Jesus gave an answer either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Jesus gave an answer again. It just wasn't the kind of answers that Paul well, was expecting. Yeah. I don't think he. It, we'll probably talk about that here in a little bit. But this idea of truth, um, you know, Jesus always pointed people to the truth, which, in his context, Ben, he pointed them to himself. He said, "I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life." And so he was always pointing people to himself. Always pointing people for the truth. And it's hard to know exactly. In Scripture, isn't explicit it isn't really clear about it about what was going on in Pilate's mind what was going on in Pilate's heart what were some of the things that he was dealing with I think there's two possibilities and you know I could be wrong we'll see but if but just in in the context of answering this question I think we can think about two things one is Pilate may have been a skeptic um if you want to think of it a first century postmodern he did he wasn't he wasn't dealing, <laughs> yeah he wasn't dealing in absolute truth um, he didn't believe in that. And he was jaded. You know, he was he had come up through the ranks of Roman politics. He had come up through the ranks probably of the Roman military. And so he had seen people manipulate truth. He had probably seen people deny, uh, deny truth and use or use truth to meet their own their own ends. And so that that's where a lot of people are these days. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people deny absolute truth. It's because they just see it abused so often. Uh, and, and it's very possible that um, that when Jesus comes along and starts talking to him about truth with a capital T, talks about truth as not just a, an abstract concept, but as something that's real, something that's solid, something that's substantive. He was shaking Pilate's worldview. Uh, he was he was really causing him causing him to stop and think about things that he didn't necessarily want to think about. And we've all been there. You know, we've all been challenged to contemplate something or to examine something that is maybe a dark, deep part of our lives that we don't want to have to mess with. We, we were just fine with the door closed. And then somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. comes along and, and through something they say or something does opens the door. That might've been where Pilate was. Another possibility is that Pilate may have recognized that there was a contradiction between what Jesus said the truth was and even what the, the leaders who had brought him to the Praetorium believed the truth was. Um, you know, he, these guys had come and they'd landed, they'd put Jesus on, on Pilate's doorstep and said, Hey, this guy's a criminal. And the more more Pilate talked with them, the more he realized who might have been the shady people and who might've been the innocent one. Pilate's Pilate's an astute politician at that point. Oh yeah. He understands. Yeah, Yeah, he does. He does. And he does. And I think there's a sense in which he knows right from wrong as well. And so he knows this isn't quite right. And so 
you know, when he looks at distances and, and maybe thinking in his mind, again, reading, reading into scripture a little bit, which is kind of dangerous. So we want to be careful about it. But if you, you know, if you stop and think, if I was in sandal, if I was in pilot sandals, you know, what would I be thinking? I'd be thinking, hey, these guys have delivered you up. They think they have the truth. You're talking to me about truth. I don't know what to think. And so, you know, what really is truth? What, you know, what are we talking about here? What, what's going on? Um, I always think it's interesting that he asked about truth when truth was present, standing right in front of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say yeah. that. I, I thought <laughs> yeah. this whole, that whole verse is fascinating to me. Um, okay, I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead and complete your thought. No, I was just saying that's that's that part has always captivated me that they um, that that he couldn't recognize truth that he was somehow seeking truth. I don't think mm -hmm. if he, and to some degree or some at some level, he was seeking truth, or he wouldn't have asked the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he didn't recognize that the author of truth, that the very embodiment of truth, the incarnation of truth, was standing right in front of him, talking with him. Yeah, and it, it never registered with him. Yeah, the, the he asked the wrong question. He asked, yeah. "What is truth?" And the real question, which should have been, "Who is truth?" Yeah, who is truth? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it was actually written. You know, he had a sign created. Uh, this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Uh, and I, I thought, well, there's the. It is the truth. The Jewish leaders wanted them to say, "No, he just claims to be the king." Uh, but the truth is, he is the king. And so I thought that is all <laughs> such an interesting play on words of truth. What is truth? And it's there, but it's it, not everyone is recognizing it. So, yeah. so and the sad part is, the, part of the sad, one of the sad things is that, you know, he just turned his back on truth completely by giving in to the Jews and releasing Barabbas instead of releasing Jesus. Um, I mean, I, again, we know God is in control. We know that, that his plan is going to, was going to be fulfilled. But after all this talk and all this consideration about what truth was, he still went with what was expedient. He went with, as Dwayne said, he went with the political option right. instead of, the, instead of the, the moral option. And so that's, that's, that's kind of sad. And, and I think history plays out that, that things didn't go well for Pilate uh, in the end because he never really, um, never really reconciled some of the things that he, that Jesus is trying to get him to think about. Yeah. yeah. Now, you'd mentioned this, but Jesus never answers the question. Um, yeah. He never says what is, he never tells him what truth is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The con I, and I get the sense from, from reading the text that, that Pilate just kind of cut things off all of a sudden, because it's mm -hmm. just, you know, he says, what is truth? And he probably said it. I always imagine him saying it kind of a, what is truth kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, again, Jesus answered, Jesus, the answers Jesus gave were not the answers people expected, and that's that's true not only in this situation. It's true throughout his all of the gospels. People always thought they had this preconceived idea of who Jesus was and what Jesus did, and he always surprised them. He always turned them on his ear, and I think that was kind of John the Baptist is the same way. I think that's why Herod kept coming, kept bringing John the Baptist back to talk to him because he was so so uh bewildered and yet so intrigued and fascinated but i think this i think in a sense this this conversation that Pilate had with jesus fascinated him um made him uncomfortable for sure mm -hmm. but just the answers that jesus gave were not the answers to the questions that that Pilate had had probably assumed or preconceived my guess is um Pilate probably understood a lot about jewish messiahs 
with a small M. Um, you know, there, there are always guys who are jumping up at different points in times and saying, hey, follow me. I'm going to lead you and free you from Roman persecution and Roman, you know, slavery or whatever. Uh, I'm I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's been protected long ago. And then, you know, either either he would get killed and, or his army would get wiped out or whatever, and he would just kind of fade into the oblivion. I think Pilate probably understood the history of some of that. I think Pilate probably had some experience with people like that. And so it might have been when Jesus came and stood in front of him, he just assumed he was dealing with another one of these rabble rousers who was, who was, you know, causing problems, who was maybe, maybe they were an insurrectionist like Barabbas was. And he sort of assumed what he was going to hear. And, and he didn't get that from Jesus. He got something much deeper. He got something much, much more personal, much more uncomfortable. So, um, you know, Jesus wasn't like everybody else. Um, And so he, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's true to form for Jesus when he had encounters with people. It's like, oh, that's what he does. (laughs) He's going to ask, he's going to ask you questions and maybe, maybe uh, change the whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and again, we go back to John's purpose for writing the gospel was to draw attention to Jesus as the Messiah. And of course that was Jesus' purpose as well. He wanted to share the truth and he understood that the truth might be written. There's that word again, truth. Uh, he understood that the truth might be rejected, especially by a Roman official like Pilate, but he still took it upon himself to to share the truth when he had the opportunity. So, you know, yeah, he did. He didn't. He, he in some ways, it, it, Pilate probably got a little frustrated because he thought he might have been barking around the tree a little bit, and not really answering the question. But Jesus gave him much more true answers than than he probably ever expected. Pilate declares Jesus not guilty. He finally says, I find nothing at fault here, no grounds for charging him. On what grounds did he declare him not guilty? I mean, we, we don't really see anything that would be a, a denial or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Pilate actually uh, talks about, you know, don't you understand that these people, that your own people have, <laughs> have brought you here? You know, don't you want to defend yourself just a little bit? And of course, Jesus had not said anything to the Jewish authorities when they questioned him and when he had his trials with them. Uh, but at least he had talked to Pilate about some stuff. Yeah. Uh, it think, almost feels like Pilate's begging him to help me. Hey, give me some yeah, help here. Yeah, give, give me, just give me a thread. Just, yeah. just tell me there's a chance. Um, yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that you have to remember is uh, when I think about the, the verdict that, that Pilate gives, and it's not really a, it's not really a verdict. It's more of an opinion because he doesn't follow through on the verdict. Um, I, I think you got to remember, he, he when you compare it to what the Jews were trying to do at the time, it's like apples. They weren't. They weren't. It, it wasn't an apples to apples comparison. Pilate was looking at things from a political, military, Roman perspective. The Jews were looking at it from a spiritual mosaic, um, law kind of perspective. And so, you know, they wanted, they wanted, they, they considered Jesus a criminal because they believed he violated the law of Moses by claiming to be God. Pilate looked at him and said, this guy's no threat to me. <laughs> this guy's no threat from, yeah, he might think he's a king, but he's a king of a different kind of thing. He's not trying yeah. to, he's not trying to rule the world. Uh, so, you know, as far as being a traitor, as far as treason, as far as claiming to be a king, 
I really don't find any fault in him. And the Jews are throwing up their hands saying, no, wait, he really is a criminal. He really is somebody that needs to be dealt with. He is a threat to Rome. And they actually changed their tactics a little bit uh, to kind of make it more political, uh, to make it more make it more likely that, that Pilate would um, would charge and, 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 and punish Jesus. But when, when he said he wasn't, when, when Pilate said he wasn't guilty, he was basically saying he wasn't politically guilty. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily making a moral statement or, or whatever. Um, and, and so that, that wasn't good enough for the Jewish leaders. Um, they, they wanted him dead for different reasons. And so they just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and kept at it until finally Pilate wore down. And even all the political intrigue and all the 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 behind the scenes kind of maneuvering and trying to trying to get Jesus released instead of Barabbas and all that kind of stuff, that still kind of fell through the cracks. And and Pilate gave in at the end. And and really he did it because it was the easy it was the easy answer. You know, he he wanted the Jews off his back. And to do that, he was willing to sacrifice an innocent man to do it. And so to him, another Jew on the cross was probably no big deal. Um, yeah. And if, so, you know. If he, he could have found a way to pass the decision off. You, oh, he tried. Impression. Yeah, he tried, but everybody else just <laughs> bounced it back to him and he uh -huh. was stuck. He got painted yeah. in the corner and there wasn't much else he could do. That was the whole reason he sent him to Herod to begin with Yeah, in, in Luke's gospel. Uh, he, you know, and that's why he tried to get Barabbas, the, you know, the comparison with Barabbas. Yeah. He was trying to, to do everything he could, but again, you know, the, the, the schemes of humanity are not going to overcome the schemes of God or the plans of God. Um, God had a plan that was going to happen and, and Pilate wasn't going to be able to stop it. He was just going to get carried away with it. Amber and Bob, are there any other key thoughts or teaching things you would share with our listeners today from this passage and from this particular study of John 18, 28 through 40? Uh, not, to, not from this study, but I would just encourage our listeners to take a look at the blog posts. Uh, they go up each Thursday at goexplorethebible.com slash blog. Um, a new post is added every week, and these will just help you better understand um, the Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind those resources, like how to use them, what are some uh, important things found in them that could be really useful to you as a leader. I think there's, I, I would kind of summarize this entire lesson into three words, in the three movements that we have in it. One is integrity. Because we talked about hypocrisy, and the opposite of hypocrisy is integrity. So as believers, we are called to live with integrity. I think one is truth, which we've hammered on a lot in the last few minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to seek truth as a believer, uh, more truth, deeper truth. Uh, and you also need to be sensitive to other folks who might be seeking, seeking truth. Um, and then the third one is courage, because basically that was really what Pilate was lacking. But as a believer, integrity and truth and courage are, are part of the backbone of who we are and what we, what we do as Christ followers. And so uh, as, as, you're, as leaders, as you're sharing this information, as you're digging into this passage, you know, encourage your, the members of your classes to, uh, to really examine their lives and see where, where those three how they might rate, rate themselves on those three character qualities and, and how they can improve and how they can become more like Jesus in those areas. That's a good reminder, Bob. Thank you for being with us today. Bob's going to be with us again in a couple of weeks. 
next week rob Timms will be joining amber and i uh, rob will help us look at john chapter 19 verses 17 through 30 we'll be focusing on the actual crucifixion of jesus the main point for that lesson will be that jesus provided for our redemption through his death on the cross and we look forward to you tuning in next week when we examine that particular passage <music>